Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hey, babe, how are you today? What's up, my friends? Good to see you. So good to see you too. And I'm so excited to continue this this chat about our mind and stories. And as we were kind of chatting about before we hit record, just like this is such a meat and potatoes episode. So if you guys are listening, don't skip this one because <laughs> because this is so important because we're going to be talking about stories and we're going to talk about what stories are why they're so important, and how to deal with them. And the awesome thing I think about stories and all of this stuff that we're going to chat through today is that it applies not just to alcohol, right? It applies to like everything. (laughs) And it's such a game changer, right? Who who knew (laughs) that there were all of these stories that were like directing my life from like off stage and kind of running, (laughs) running the show without my... Yeah, awareness. It's been mind blowing. Yeah, so true. Me too. So let's just dive right in and talk about what are like what are stories when we're talking about stories. Like, what do we mean? You go first, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I mean, we we talked last time about our other meat and potatoes episode where it's like meanings where like our mind is always making things mean things and and that's how our mind kind of keeps us safe that's how our mind you know directs the show if you will and in doing in doing that we repeat certain thoughts we re- repeat those meanings over and over again and they form these stories that just are in our subconscious in the part you know of our minds that we're not aware of that call the shots on what we do. And so that's why we end up with when we have like conflict between, you know, our conscious mind, like we talked about before, like, I don't want to drink. Like I know alcohol has no, you know, benefit in my life, but then yet we have the, you know, the subconscious, that conflict that comes from that because there's that subconscious story or belief that says that there is a there's a perceived benefit for doing that thing. So, but yeah, but I need it to be a better mom. Like it makes me a better mom. And that's, it's so, it, it applies. It, like we're always telling ourselves stories, like the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, stories we tell ourselves about alcohol, about fill in the blank and, and it directs our actions. So might as well know why we're, why we're doing the things we're doing. And this is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we make things mean so much more (laughs) than they actually really do mean, right? And I think with stories, in addition to alcohol, I think the other big one too for me has always been like other people, right? It's like, I'm, you know, and it comes down to really silly basic things of like, if a girlfriend is like short on a text or short in a, cause she's in a rut, like I make it mean that she doesn't, she's mad at me because I did something and what did I do? (laughs) Do you ever do that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's just it. I had no idea that those, you know, like she, oh my gosh, she's upset with me. I had no idea that that was story and wasn't fact. And we're like, fact right. is she sent me a text. 
That's right. a fact. There was a text that came through, but anything else that comes after that is story. And that story is formed through like, you know, it, it's our perception. And so it's like, again, that lens, like we said last time, these meanings that we make, it's that lens for which we view everything from. And it's all, all of our stories, you know, are based on our own past experiences, our individual experiences. So while someone could look at a text from a friend and, you know, say, oh my gosh, she must be upset with me. And that feels like truth and it shows up like truth in our lives. Someone else could look at the same text and go, I mean, no, like there are all these other possibilities. Like, how did you get that? So that's that layer of story that I think is, is, I mean, it's just fascinating. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. What percentage do we have it down here in our notes? Like what percentage is story? Is everything fact or is it mostly story? So like, yeah, I know it's, this is where we can get into the weeds a little bit. And this is, <laughs> this is where, you know, that's a place I love to live. Right. I love to go like really detailed on this, but for the sake of, you know, keeping, keeping it light and keeping it light for you girls. It, <laughs> so I don't, so I don't like nerd out here on this, on this stuff. It's, you know, like the fact, it's like the facts that indisputable facts, you received a text, you know, what, anything else that comes after that, she must be upset with me. You know, thing that comes from that also like is a story. It's when there, when 10 out of 10 people could say something different in response to that, that for me has been a good gauge for like where it's story. So I can say, you know, um, yeah, she said, she sent me this text and so she must, then she didn't respond for like six hours. She must be upset with me. Whereas my husband could look at that and go, or she got busy at work or, you know, and so that's the difference between story that, that I think is, is hard to kind of see. And also like, once you see it, you're like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think was like one of the most, like, I don't know, I guess one of the loudest stories when it came to alcohol for you? I mean, I know we've talked about a few of them, but like what, what was one that you just, I guess it's a a better way to say it is like, what was one that you like believed to be truth so hard that it was, it took you a while to get to the other side of it? Yeah. For me, I think like, you know, the biggest overarching story was it was necessary to my life. I thought wine was necessary to my life. What about you? Yeah. So good. I think it was just, yeah, the, the bandaid and the treat and the reward. Like I think those three all tied together, which is so funny because they're three very different jobs, but I guess that's another way to say it, right? It's like giving alcohol a lot of jobs, giving it a lot, giving it so much more meaning when in reality, like, like you said, the fact is you got a text. The fact is that it's fermented grape juice <laughs> in a glass and we give it so much story and we give it so much meaning. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, we all bring all of that color from our past experience. And the reason why the mind does that and the mind does it so quickly is, you know, the mind likes to put things into it's quickly assessing, like it's scanning for danger and threats. And so it quickly, when we feel discomfort, it's looking for a quick meaning based on our past experience. And it goes to that low hanging fruit, whatever we've told ourselves before. And so these stories that become those unconscious stories that are driving 
you know, driving the car in the background of our lives, they are just, they're practiced thoughts and practiced feelings that all get kind of tangled together that just become these really deep-seated beliefs. I, I remember when, you know, kind of doing this work and, and realizing that I was like, well, gosh, now that I know the difference between like fact and circumstance versus story or belief, like is anything I think real? Is anything I be- I believe? Are all of my beliefs false? Oh my gosh. And I almost had this like panic of- I remember Scott Pinyard saying that and having <laughs> like an existential crisis. Yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, everything I've ever believed is not true. What do you mean? Yeah. But yeah. in, in that panic is also where all the freedom comes because it's in the being able to question them and look at them and and know what is what is right and then what is the impact of that. So if we have that belief like uh, I I I'm not a normal drinker, well, how does that make us when you know thoughts are create our feelings and our feelings create our kind of actions, our behaviors? When I think I you know I, I I'm not a normal normal drinker, how does that make us feel like flawed and deficient? Well, are we more motivated or less motivated to do something about this? Thing that we're feeling related to our, you know, use of alcohol, like we're less likely maybe to do something about it when we feel that. And so that's where the power of these stories, these beliefs, you know, are so important to kind of question. True. And one of the examples that I see all the time with clients, and I know you do too, is like, I actually wrote this as a note to myself when I was coaching someone this week. (laughs) And it was literally just, I literally wrote like, you have to stop hiding behind this personality trait, right? Because don't, how often do you hear, but I'm just the type of, oh, and listen, I'm, I was a big, I did this all the time. I'm just the type of person that dot, 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 or that's just my personality. Like that's who I am. Right. And it's like, where did we get all of that? They're so limiting. I mean, talk about a limiting belief. Just hiding behind those, like, I am just the type of person that can't moderate, or I'm just the type of person that can't have two glasses of wine, or whatever it is. It's like, what, you know, it's just, it's so limiting and it's such, it's such story. It, it is. Yeah. It, it's so true. I did that too. I hear it all the time too. And it's, it's where we end up becoming, you know, the the thing that we say that we are. And along with that are all the limitations. So yeah, when, you know, I can't moderate or I'm not someone, I am not someone who can moderate, guess what? Like we're going to find in, in action and in behavior, we're not going to be able to moderate, whatever that is, air quotes. And so like especially words like I am, any kind of declaration, it's a declaration. And when we're saying I am, we are declaring this like really real, you know, truth about who we are. And I had no idea how prevalent that was in the background for me, directing everything, you know, how I was showing up in my my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so true. It's so true. It's just, it goes back to, I think, right? It just goes back to take every thought captive. It just goes back to, and and when we get into like kind of how do we deal and, and how do we deal with story? And I know I said this last time, but I just get so excited about the fact that like, you know, as Christians, we do have the truth. We get to hold the truth in the Bible. <laughs> and so 
when we're talking about like, okay, let's dive into the story and figure out whether it's true or not. Like we actually do have truth. We hold truth. We can hold it in our hands and read it and pray about it. Yeah. Which, yeah, is half the battle, right? Is, is being able to like, where do we find that truth? Where do we find, where do we find the answer to, is this something I believe? And, and I think when we do this work, it's important to, at least I have found it's super helpful to think about it in terms of like, you know, well, first of all, how do we access the stories? If they're unconscious, how do we make them conscious? Well, through our thoughts, right? And really kind of getting into paying attention to what our thoughts are. And we've talked about, you know, through thought downloads or brain dumps and journaling and through meditation, we touched on that last time, like finding that space between ourselves and our thoughts, you know, bringing, thinking about our thinking, the metacognition that comes with that. Uh, it's in accessing our thoughts that we can start to see that like, you know, our thoughts are the branches of a tree and the beliefs, the stories are what make the trunk. And so just, you know, kind of maybe taking a couple of days, 48 hours to just kind of very mindfully bring attention, you know, bring attention to your thoughts and writing them down, not making them mean anything, not judging them, but just putting them down on paper and then coming back to them later and seeing, okay, where are the patterns and themes in these because those patterns and themes point to these kind of beliefs that we carry that are coloring everything, everything we do, every, every way, you know, how we show up. And so, you know, through the thoughts, we get access to the stories. And then the part about where stories, if we don't have the goal of like, we have to change the story we, f- we feel better. We're more curious in our exploration of that. So if we go into the, doing this work and say, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do all my thoughts. I'm going to get all my thoughts. I'm going to find these stories. And then I'm going to just start trying to disprove them. We have the, the end goal is them being opposite of what we already believe. That's where we can run into some tension, some friction and create, you know, this, you know, more conflict or dissonance around it. But if we go into it with this idea of like, I, I don't know. Do I believe this still? Is there a possible other way of looking at this? Is there a possible other story? It's in finding, is it true? I don't know. But in that kind of turn to curiosity and keeping it open, we're not trying to make it fit something and creating that kind of tension in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And I feel like kind of under the same guise of not making it fit, but like at the same time, when you do kind of start to get curious and you do do this work, right, you really do realize that there are some big ones that it ends up always coming down to, like, and it has to do with like our own worthiness. It has to do with our own lovability. It has to do with being, you know, helpless. Like there, these are some like big themes. What Like when you really, really break it down, it's like it kind of all comes down to how we view ourselves and and then that's just like such a like you know when you when you've done this for a minute it's an easy one then right to take to god and be like okay well what do you say about this mm. right mhm oh yeah abs- absolutely i i love byron katie's she has a, a list of like universal beliefs on her website that, you know, just kind of going through that list and saying like, which ones, you know, it helps with this like curiosity of like, which ones are ones that potentially are those universal beliefs that, you know, I, I, 
I don't belong. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm weak. I'm flawed. All of, all of those. When we can use that as like maybe a jumping off point to take it with our thoughts and then we can take it to the Lord and say, but what do you say about this? And getting that clarity. I mean, obviously through prayer, prayer is, prayer is something that is so obviously powerful. It's something that I used to have a story around prayer that said that it's just me making requests of God and and it's a one-way conversation or not even a conversation because it's just a me making requests and you know waiting for him to kind of answer on those and you know one of my beliefs I had to change one of the stories that I questioned was like well is that really what prayer is well let me see what the bible says about prayer and you know let me figure this out and through doing that oh my gosh like so much more amazing prayer time. It's something I enjoy doing now because it's actually conversation with God and and being able to say like, hey, I need help with this. And what is what is here? Like, why am I, you know, what do you want me to see here in this? I see it this way and it's through the, you know, limitation of my eyes. Well, I'm not looking through your eyes. Help me see it through your eyes. What do you say, Lord? Yeah, yeah, that's so good. One of my stories about prayer was like, very similar like it's just me asking for things but also what I had tied in there was he's got enough on his plate with other things that are more important which comes down yeah comes down right back to the worthiness right back to the worthiness sister that is oh my gosh we could do a whole episode on that I think because it's it's so true I'm not allowed to make my requests because I don't have real problems like so if prayer is about like asking for help, well, I mean, if you look at my world, I don't really have any real problems, whatever a real problem is. Another story, right? I don't have real yeah. problems, you know? Yeah. And so I shouldn't be, yeah, taking up his time asking for these seemingly trivial things, but because they're bigger, bigger things in the world, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you, yeah, mentioned that. We should just also add and notes and we'll put it in the show notes about if you haven't heard of Byron Katie, like she's such a good, like go to for understanding this work. I think you have to, I love her and I think you just have to take her with a big biblical grain of salt, but Mm -hmm. her book loving what is, is so transformative and I listen to everything on Audible, so it's also on Audible, but we'll put that in the show notes if you guys want to dive into like more of like kind of this stuff. It's so good. Yeah. It's one of those that I was introduced to and it was it was hard to wrap my head around at first, but so powerful in her thinking, but to your point too, like kind of holding it, you know, loosely, lightly, using using the resources to kind of pique your curiosity. Like, so, you know, I think that is our two greatest tools for doing this work are discomfort and curiosity. Like discomfort, once we acknowledge discomfort in something, that is our opportunity to, you know, get to the bottom of like, what story is causing this discomfort? What, where is this coming from in my thinking? And when we bring awareness to what that is, and we don't hit the easy button, you know, in response because that's how we're so trained. We don't have tolerance for discomfort these days because of all of our modern, you know, advances and things technology-wise. But that allows us – I had a story that was like, I'm not supposed to be uncomfortable. Like, I need to switch out of discomfort. And 
as long as I thought that, I made discomfort bad. And it was something that, right, like it was like, okay, quick, do the thing that's the easiest thing to do to get out of discomfort. So obvious now why wine ended up taking up so much space in my life because it provides a really quick, easy button if that is a subconscious belief or a story that you've been spinning for so long. Yeah. And when we talked to, when we were talking originally about like doing this podcast, like we did talk about like, okay, are we just focusing on alcohol here? Because obviously that's both of our journeys, but when we're talking about this stuff and you know, what do you reach for instead of curiosity when you feel discomfort? There are so many fill in the blanks, maybe for, you know, listener, you know, maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's online shopping. Maybe it's food, sugar, you know, exercise, like all of these things can be the fillers, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Noise. For me, noise. One of the, before I, before I got into this, before I was able to even know what creating space between my mind and my thoughts looked like. And I mean, anytime I had discomfort, I can think about it now, you know, it was call somebody. So like I, I could never just be alone and still and silent and quiet. And so it was, you know, as soon as I get in the car, it's turning on music, turning on a podcast, calling a friend, I could never just drive in silence. Being in the, you know, being in the house without people, like something. I always have to be, you know, listening to something or doing something. Another story, right, that plays in the background that says like discomfort is bad. So distract yourself. What it ends up, you know, being obviously is like these distractions keeping us from being in that like place of consciousness of awareness for what's. What you know? What is showing up right now? What we're sensing and how we're making sense of that thing? What are those thoughts that go along with it? Yeah, I can so relate to that too. And I actually actually just recently realized this that that was one for me too, and that it completely was not leaving room for stillness with God. Like, be still, He says. Just wait, chill out, and be still. And I was not doing that like at all. And like you know, to your point of like, what is prayer? Well, it's a two way street. If you don't do the be still part, it's hard to hear, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, that one too. And I still struggle with that. Like, I have to have something going on at all times. And and it's the day and age we live in, right? It's like there's always another podcast or another book I want to listen to or another lecture or whatever or someone I want to catch up with. And so if you don't leave that space to be still and do this mind work or talk to, you know, be still with God, you don't, yeah, you just completely, you don't leave room for this work at all. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was huge. for That was one of like the first revelations I had was. I was caught in the the doing, which is, you know, when you're caught in the doing and the distraction and all of that stuff, like you're, you know, the distraction is attempting to relieve that discomfort you feel. And the doing is this like hustle for worth that we're going for. It's like, if I can just, you know, keep pushing, producing, achieving, performing, you know, tap dancing, just here, put on this and, you know, and go. And what I was do, doing prayer, do, how, how do I do prayer? I, yeah. you know, make my request to the Lord. Like I was so constricted and so limited in, of course, you know, before I've, I found all of this work that I, you know, I didn't see that it took like life is in the being and being with the Lord is the, the kind of the foundational for all the rest of it, creating that space to be. 
without all of the distraction. Yeah. And it just comes down to like, you know, it comes back and I think I keep saying the same thing, but it comes back to who we are in Christ and who we are as Christians, right? Because if we don't have to strive and we don't have to keep doing and achieving and we can just be, and we can't, it just, yeah. I mean, it all goes to, yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but it kind of just all goes together. It, well, it does. And no, you're making total sense because it's exactly, I mean, because if, I mean, the way that we've just kind of talked about it too, it's, well, if that is directing your life, but it's unconscious, it's, it's like, well, we can know that it's, you know, who we are in Christ, but we're not even realizing that that unconscious story that I have to do all of these things, these transactional things for love or worth or belonging those are in total conflict and we don't even have a clue. It just, it's, it's calling the shots. And so that's where also we, you know, we've talked about the great cheat sheet and being able to go, okay, like where I'm feeling conflict, where I'm feeling this discomfort, you know, what is, what is the story in my thinking? You know, like where is the story in either who I am or who I believe you to be Lord? Where am I off on that? And, you know, what do you want me to see here as, as the truth? Like, what is the truth of this? Where, where is my, where's my thinking gone off, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a really good like segue then into like, how, how do we deal with these stories? Like, what is, what are the tools? Like, what are, what is the framework that we, we both use and like all of that good stuff. Like now we've kind of, we've addressed like what story is, we've addressed how important it is and given examples. Now, what do we do? <laughs> Well, gosh, like so so many different directions we could go. But yeah, from a very like practical sense, I think, you know, that first it it goes back to taking our our thoughts captive. And and we do that one of the ways, well, we, we, whatever, one of the ways I do that is paying attention to in particular any shoulds and any, any I ams. I am's are those, like we said, declarations of truth about who we are, which is not true, right? Like if you really know, it's not true. And then the shoulds are, should automatically points to shame, to lack. And if it's shame driven, then it also is in conflict with what the Lord says about, you know, who we are. And so I personally have gotten, and it takes a lot of practice. This is not something that it it took trying differently, like... It took trying a bunch of different things for me to land on, like, what are my tools? And those are two that stand out for me. Like, anytime I can bring attention to when I'm using I am something or should, that's where I know that I've I've got a story to explore. And that's where turning to curiosity is is a place for me to start with. What about you? Yeah, yeah so good. And on, for, for me, this is so big with just being anxious and having anxiety. Anytime that I'm anxious about anything, I have to stop and figure out what it is, what 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 are, what are the facts and what are the stories of it, right? And so this morning I actually did this. I'm going to read it out because I did this this morning and I'm not going to go into like the whole personal situation behind it, but we as a family are in a state of transition. We'll just say that, right? And so we are trying to figure out where God is going to take us for multiple reasons. And so my first thing was to like, get really clear about what that thought was. And my thought was God won't provide. 
And I just, it was crazy, right? Because like, you're going to laugh, but like the second I wrote, God won't provide, I was like, is that true? Nope. Like I literally wrote, what is the thought? God won't provide. Is it true? I literally wrote, nope. (laughs) What does God say about this? And I wrote, he's told me and shown me over and over a million times, dot, 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 like a lot of times, dot, 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 that he does. And so then, you know, we get to make a choice. And this all comes back to the fact that we actually get to decide if we're going to be anxious about things or not. And so am I going to be make the choice to trust God or am I going to make the choice to believe this thing that's totally false that he's disproved a million times, a hundred ways to Sunday, you know? So like for me, this work is just so good when it comes to feeling anxious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. And I, I think you highlight what's so important I found too is that like, getting those thoughts out of my head because I can think that I know what I'm thinking and I can think that, well, I don't have any story. There's no story here, but because I'm in that like tunnel of discomfort around whatever it is, I can't see that actually there is a thought there that then you can, once you put it out on paper, it's like, well, obviously that's not true. Sometimes it's just the awareness of what that thought is that allows us to find that clarity, that freedom, that space from the, you know, what, what's causing all the, the discomfort. It's like, we don't even have to change anything because it's so obvious that that is not true. Sometimes like I need wine to be a better mom, you know, or it helps me be a better mom. That is a practice that takes like collecting evidence and coming back to you and experimenting with and getting, you know, really curious about. But when we're in that kind of curious mode, we're afforded the clarity to find the answer versus when we're just spinning it around in our head. So I think that's so good. I love that. I have things in my journal like that too, where it's like, (laughs) duh, like I have it. How many times do I have duh written like in my journal? Of course not. (gasps) Yeah, it's, it is so true. And I think you make a really, like you make a really excellent point. I think that's from Legally Blonde, but that, that some are easier than others. And with some, with some story, just the awareness in and of itself is like so groundbreaking just to bring awareness to what we're thinking, but other things you do need to like dive into like whether or not it's true and where it came from and, and have to live life experience the opposite of what you believe. And that's what breaking, you know, breaking free from alcohol is so much of that. It's so much of like, okay, I think that this story that I'm telling myself about alcohol isn't true. But I'm not going to believe it until I go to seven parties with six different type of friends. And then I'm going to believe that I don't need alcohol that fun. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. We have to experience it as true for it to be a new belief as well. Like it's that kind of like threading it together. And if we don't, you know, we can say like, I'm pretty sure alcohol, like once I brought awareness to one of my big stories is that it it was helping me be all the things for all the people that wine was necessary to be all the things to all the people. Once I brought awareness to that, it was very easy to go, well, okay, like if that is a story and that, you know, by definition is just an untruth, then the opposite of that would be that it doesn't help me be all the things for all the people. Well, but how do I feel when I hold that opposite belief? I, I mean, it doesn't feel believable, 
because I've just said that actually, you know, this is what what feels true. So how do you make that like leap? Well, if you if you're just trying to go with the opposite, you know, you create that kind of like more neural toxicity, if you will, like, you know, the trap of positive thinking. Okay. Like I'm just going to repeat over and over again. Yeah. No, it does not yeah. help me. But if we don't truly believe it because we haven't experienced it through our body, through our like, like a felt sense of the, it being true, we haven't experienced that yet, then it's, it's just going to create more toxicity. And I, so, so I think that goes to so beautifully how, you know, kind of you were saying that it's the experience experimenting with it, trying it. Like, I don't know. I'm going to go into this situation and does it, does it help me be a better mom? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be really curious about this tonight when I'm doing, you know, bedtime and bath time with the kids and with my glass of wine in my hand, I'm going to pay attention to it. Like, how is it helping me? How is it serving me right now in this moment? How is it not serving me in this moment? I don't know. I'm, I don't have any conclusions for where this will go. I'm just going to get really curious. I'm going to hold that and I'm going to, I'm going to write about it afterwards. I'm going to write down what I, what I came up with. I'm going to collect that evidence. And, and I think that's where we turn what we know to be tr- like what we know it maybe is false or what we're starting to see is maybe false. And that's where we kind of lock it in as it being our new belief as feeling true. And in, until we do that, it kind of just, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel right yet. Yeah. And I feel like this is probably going to end up being like an episode all on its own, but I think it's important to like note here a couple things. First of all, this is why willpower doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this we is can why- can never you- say that enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is why willpower doesn't work. This is why like you're not going to self-discipline your way into not drinking. This is why it's not about your motivation. <laughs> it's just that's all the things that we- you know, we're conditioned to believe our whole lives. This is why none of the, what, this is why everybody struggles with diets. This is why everybody struggles with drinking. Not everybody, but you know, whoever's listening to this probably is. Why anybody could struggle with drinking. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Good. Yes. Good change. So this is why willpower just doesn't work. And this is why affirmations, you know, I think there's a place for them, but you're not going to just tell yourself a million times over and over the opposite, like exactly what you said. You're not going to convince yourself the opposite of what you believe until you kind of like really get curious and do this work from a place of total and complete curiosity and experimentation and yeah, all of it. Yeah. We have to have that like embodied sense that this this other way, this other story, this other belief is is true. And I think that's something too, that like one of the, one of the tools, one of the things that like listeners wanting to, to look at this work is starting with, you know, bringing more attention to our senses, to what we're sensing, because that's where, that's where we get that confirmation. So like when I, you know, when my conscious mind and unconscious mind are aligned, when my mind and body, if you will, are aligned with each other, there's a, peace, there's a calm, there's an absence of tension and conflict and irritation. And so bringing more, and and if we go back to kind of like how we cued this whole kind of little series of the mind up, it's, you know, if we are, we feel discomfort and then our mind is quick to make it mean something based on all of those stories that are underneath it all, in that making sense, we've skipped the part where we're, where we're, attuned to what we're sensing. Like 
what is it that I'm, I just feel off. Okay. But where do you feel off in your body? And so one of my, one of my favorite kind of tools, if you will, is like, I call it getting into the body, reconnecting to the body. And that allows us to be in that like consciousness. Like, well, where does off feel in your body? I feel right here in my, in my belly. Maybe it's connecting through the breath first. Like, how do I know that I'm breathing? Where is that proof of my breath and my body? That's something that I had no idea that I, for 35 plus years of my life, was holding my, like literally holding my breath. I couldn't have located my breath in my body if you had like, you know, paid me. I, I, I had no connection to, and that's a whole, you know, like why we become so disconnected from our bodies and the things that we sense, you know, obviously there's a whole other side of that that we could talk about, but just bringing attention to our senses and that's also a place to kind of couple with the curiosity. What was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, as far as kind of the first realization of like this work or what do you mean? Well, I just mean like related to like, how do we know that it then is a belief that serves us? Like, how do you, how do you access that? Like, what does it feel like for me? It's like a peace and a calm that I feel in response, but yeah. You know. Yeah, no, totally. And I think a big piece of this for me too was I think that we always come to it from, okay, I'm feeling X, right? And so like when you said it's where is it in your belly? Like anytime I'm nervous about anything or feel uneasy, like it's always a stomach ache for me, right? And so for me, it was like getting really curious about, okay, why why am I, what is this? Like, what is this? Why do I have a stomach ache? And then figuring out what the thoughts and the story were causing that. Right. And it's, and, and so I think that, you know, the bodily sensations of, if that makes sense, is a tip off to the discomfort, then you can figure out where the discomfort is coming from. And then you can get into what, what the story is that you're telling yourself. Right. I mean, I had that, I know that maybe sounds really basic, but I think that that was a huge revelation for me when I realized, okay, like, I'm feeling nervous. And it's not just that like I am feeling nervous because I'm a nervous person or because whatever, there's a reason I'm feeling nervous. And what is that reason? And what is the story behind it? And is it true? And like, just, yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to awareness, curiosity, all the things we've said. But I mean, that was a big piece for me when I was like, okay, well, the stories for me show up as stomach aches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this, I love that example because I think it points to how this work that I always – like I, anyone that's worked with me knows that I always talk about. Like this is the forever work that we get to do. It's amazing because it, it – I mean it really fits into everything and of course it does. But, you know, it, it points to how like story shows up everywhere. So we can sense something in our in our, in our belly and – you know, a million, a million times before, if we're not conscious of like, we, we have just made it mean that I'm nervous, you know? And so that is what we go to, but also we could, you know, I mean, we can even expand from there. It's like, okay, well, what else is possible? And, you know, or this, this thing that I'm feeling over here, I have in my head that this is, you know, automatically that, you know, um, that I'm caught in a mind swirl. Well, does it automatically mean that I'm in a mind swirl or is it just like I had a really hard workout today? And so when I feel this tightness in my shoulders, it could mean that I'm in the mind swirl or I'm stuck on something, or it could just mean I had a, 
you know, a hard workout. And so I did a lot of overhead stuff and I feel that it's in finding those other possibilities because our stories are so one way, you know, this is the way that we see things. And so using all kind of bodily sensations as a way of just being curious about them and exploring them can be access to what are these deeper stories that we carry about alcohol and also the stories that we're telling ourselves, those universal stories that we all tell ourselves about ourselves and how is that like directing how we feel and how we show up in the world. And is that aligned with how we want to feel and how we want to show up in the world? Right. What would you say? I feel, I'm, I'm asking this question because I feel like this comes up a lot with clients that I'm sure it does with you, you too. Like, what would you say to, to a client or let's say like a listener that is stuck on a story that they believe so hardcore to be true? Like, what would you say to them? Like, what do you, cause I, I get this a lot, right? It's like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm worried about. Or this is, this is the thought that is keeping me up at night. And when I ask the question sometimes, like, well, is that really true? Like, is that true? What are you making that mean? What is that? Like, let's get in. And they're like, no, that is true. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I mean, I would say like, okay, well, when you believe that, how do you, how do you feel? And then how do you show up? And is that how you want to feel and how you, how you intend to show up? Is that aligned with your intention? You know, because you can, it feels really true. And so you're going to hold on to that belief. I think Byron Katie, I think she's the one that says like, who would you be without that story? Who would you be without without that thought? Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, nobody's telling you, you have to do anything with it. But we as coaches have that ability to like see that where that conflict is coming in is through it feeling really true and being, you know, stuck to that. So it's like, okay, just, you know, but what if it's not like, you don't have to say that it's not true, but what, what is that kind of like ladder step up? I'm open to seeing if this is not true because I'm open to seeing, you know, if I feel better and show up better as a response, it's like finding that little, you know, we talk about those little ladder steps up on the belief scale. Okay. You don't have to jump all the way to, yeah, you're right. It's not true. It's okay. I'm open to seeing, or I'm open to exploring this or, you know, maybe it's finding that next like neutral belief up from there. So that's a, that's a good one because I, yeah, for sure. It's, it's also, it's a choice to hold that belief. And maybe that just means that that's not something you're ready to do the work on. And that's okay. Like you don't have to do any, you don't have to do anything. Um, if you want to bringing awareness to what these things are, like, I, I kind of feel like if these are the things that are directing my my life, I'd at least like to know what they are and have some input into, you know, what I, you know, what I, what they are, so that so that I can align them to what my intention is. Yeah, so good, so good, so so good. good. I also feel like we should mention gratitude as something that. You know, and I, I feel like it's one of those that we talk about, like kind of all the like cliche thing, like mindfulness and gratitude, and it kind of falls into that. Like, okay, well, we know that we know that we should, air quotes, should be, mm-hmm. you know, have a gr- gratitude, or we we've seen maybe even science that says that like having a gratitude practice is is helpful, or you know, we we know what it talks about in the Bible related to you know, praising God, gratitude for things, being grateful. But but on like a practical sense, I also find that 
anchoring to what I am grateful for very specifically is a way that helps me kind of relieve that initial discomfort I'm feeling and allows me to like open to curiosity, to find, to exploring beliefs. And so the more I can train my brain to seeing and celebrating what there is to be grateful for, what there is to praise the Lord for, what there is to celebrate, we're also training our mind away from where the lack is. And that's what the mind really wants to do is look for where's the lack, where's the problem. And, and it's constantly scanning for that. But gratitude is a great way to kind of access that as well. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that. And I was reading that this morning, actually, in Philippians 4, like, he kind of like gives a like an outline of what how not to be anxious and how to deal with anxious thoughts. And the first first thing he says in verse four, you know, is rejoice before he even gets to prayer before he even like says, whatever, it's all it's all it's it's starting with rejoicing in the Lord. And so I mean, we need to do a whole episode just on gratitude, I think, because it's so important. <laughs> but so true. Well, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because we we needed to mention that here for sure. Yeah, that might yeah. be just a way for someone to start. Like, what do I do? Okay, so there's a lot of information in this episode. This work is big. It's super, you know, kind of dense if, if you want it to be. And, just, you know, you don't have to do any of it. But what would be something you could kind of just one little – I always like to leave clients with, like, one tiny new action you can take from, you know, what you're uncovering and discovering. What's one little tiny thing you can do? You don't have to do it all. Like, one little thing. And I think gratitude is a nice little place – to start sometimes, you know, giving us that forward momentum and energy to, to keep, keep staying open. I love that. This was such a good one. This is such a good one. It it goes so fast. And I'm just, I'm hoping that we can just keep talking about this and over and over and over again and just make it because I think it's sometimes hard, right? Because we've been doing this work for a little bit here. And so I'm hoping that we're making it like understandable and relatable to the listeners. And I think that, you know, we're just going to keep talking about this and we're just going to keep giving our own real life examples and, and yeah, to, to make it as like easily and as accessible as possible for you guys, because I think it's changed both of our lives. And so I hope we're explaining it well for you guys. I, yeah, I think that, you know, like we've talked before, like we just keep showing up and having the conversation and listen, y'all like, this is not going to be perfect. We're going to get things. We're going to say things. We're going to repeat things. We're going to, you know, that's my like kind of one of my limiting beliefs that I always carry is that it's around like I'm, I'm repetitive. I'm repetitive. I'm always saying the same thing, but like that's, I might, or I might not. And, you know, okay, great. Like we're not going to say things perfectly, but hopefully, you know, at least it stimulates your curiosity to be able to enter into this work or continue this work if this is something that you're, you know, currently working on. And if it does leave you confused, send us a, you know, reach (laughs) out because we want to help answer those, like send the questions in. We want to answer those questions. And yeah, we, we, we aim to do that. So. Yeah, we've structured this podcast, you guys, so that every single episode is intentionally a question. And so our hope is that we can, you know, pass this over to you and like have you guys ask us, you know, what you want us to chat about. So 
to that point, I guess I should mention that like on our website, we also have a community. We have different ways of you guys getting in touch with us and a mailing list and all that stuff. So we'll, the website's obviously in the show notes, but yeah, we want this to be interactive. We want you guys to come with your questions. We want to know what we're not explaining right or like not right, but you know what I mean? We're, we want to know what we're, what, 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 how we can help, I guess, right? The whole purpose of this is to help you guys. And the whole purpose of this is, you know, for, you know, his good and the glory and, and all the stuff. But please let us know if you guys have questions because we want to chat about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep the combo going, girl. Whoop, whoop. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free underscore. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.